You're listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. The goal of this podcast is to help business owners be successful and gain the advantage. Nancy has helped some of today's top Fortune 500 companies across a wide spectrum of industries work through their toughest challenges. She can help you too. So if you can't find the solutions you need, there are no more books to read or workshops to attend. The Nancy Gaines Show can be the difference between your success and failure. And now your host, Nancy Gaines. Hi, this is Nancy Gaines, and welcome to The Nancy Gaines Show, where we provide actionable ideas for entrepreneurs to grow their business and be even more productive. The focus of today's podcast is all about fixing the people problems in your company. And I'm super excited to have an expert and a very special guest with me, Trevor Thronis. Let me tell you about him. He is an experienced coach who specializes in working with growing businesses from 2 million to 2 billion in sales. He's helped hundreds of entrepreneurs, organizations, and business families across North America fix their people problems enhance communication, attract top talent, and build exceptional cultures. He is the author and an avid reader about 40 to 50 books per year. He and his wife, Jennifer, live in Vancouver, and they have four teenagers. And this is really cool. His book was actually endorsed by Marshall Goldsmith. Marshall says, the power of people skills is the eye-opening invaluable, definitive guide to achieving success in your organization. Excellent. So, wow, what a cool endorsement. Trevor, thanks for sharing part of your day. Welcome. What else do you want to add to that introduction? Um, I don't know if I have a lot to add to that, Nancy. You did a pretty good job. Thank you. Um, My my specialty really is growing, is working with companies that are in fast growth, especially. And one thing I've found, Nancy, is that uh, every business owner has the same issues. When they go home at night, if they're talking to their spouse about something or their partner or they can't sleep, it's almost always about a people issue. So it's, that's why I wrote the book, to help them start to sort out these nagging things that you know, it, are really difficult to get past. That is true. Like nobody ever says something didn't go right at work. It's always like, oh, this person really irritated me or got under my skin. So this will be a great yeah. interview. <laughs> hey, tell well, us how- you know, the other thing. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, I, I find too that if it's about something else, like if it's like oh, we've got an inventory issue or sales are, are low or something like that, that's where the needle is pointing. But if you look to where that needle originates, it's usually an issue about a person. So even the issues that are not directly related to people, usually at the bottom of it, it is a person, someone that you've promoted beyond their abilities or is a wrong fit or is a great person who is sinking or you know those sorts of things. Yeah, this is a great topic because it's really hard to run a company without having people. And you suggest that every culture must have star players in every key seat. Can you share a little bit about that? Like, How do people find those A players and how do they put them in the right seat? Well, you know, um, part, part of the reason that I wrote the book was uh, I'm a big Jim Collins fan and he always talks about get right people in right seats and going from good to great is about, you know, that, that's his first two of six. Uh, items going from good to great is get the right leader, then get people in the right seats, then get people off the bus, then put them in their right seats and all that. It it always starts on the people side. So, um, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of pieces to that. But but to me, I think first you've got to say, um, am I committed to working with A players? Because the difference between a great culture and a weak culture 
is a great culture doesn't uh, tolerate underperformers. It works to getting everybody performing well. And uh, a great culture has people who have good attitudes and they're productive. And a weak culture tolerates people who have either bad attitudes or are unproductive or both. And I totally agree with that. So when people know they have to get rid of somebody, they know they're not a fit, but they still don't do it. Any tips on how to actually pull that trigger and say, I got to cut my losses and get the right person in here. And let me give you an example. Hiring takes so much effort, right? And while yeah, you're looking for, sure. for the... While you're looking for the right person, like everybody else has got to do more work than normal to cover for that open spot. So sometimes people just say, why don't I just keep the bad apple here? It's easier. Yeah. You know, Nancy, I would start a few steps before that. And I would say first, have you had open conversations with your people about where you, how, how you feel they're doing and where they're at? Because nine times out of 10, I, I hear a lot of um, concerns and worries about people as I sit with business leaders and when I say to them so have you said in kind clear terms exactly what you're saying to me with this person and being honest about how you feel about it um, have you told them and the answer is almost always no and so I think the first step actually is not saying hey I've got to get rid of somebody or, or anything like that but it's starting to give feedback to people open honest feedback not where I want to hammer you because I think, you know, I, I don't like you or I'm upset with you, but just giving open, honest feedback about where you're at and what it would take to improve performance in the case of bad performance, or even with great people that acknowledging that, hey, I think you're great, just so you know, you may, may have never said it. So I think the first step is saying, where is everybody at and how do I tell them where they're at and see what happens from there? Not everybody's comfortable with that though, Trevor, right? They're like, oh, I just, <laughs> this is awkward. I don't want to say it. I'm going to hurt their feelings. And it's making me feel like some people physically get sick having to have a bad conversation. So while it sounds great on, on paper, how do they really do it? Where can they start? Well, first of all, I don't think uh, talks about underperformance or bad conversations. And I have a, a long section in the book about how you approach those difficult conversations. But the first step is to start to say, okay, let's make this a little bit more objective rather than subjective. And in the book, I just start to, I present a, a very simple graph that graphs people on uh, what are the attitudes that I need them to have? So do they have good attitudes, where are their attitudes at, and how productive are they in their current role? And then they start to sift out into, into quadrants. And, and um, you know, when you've got an underperforming person, here's a productivity tip for you. For an underperforming person, I want to sit with them and I don't want to accuse them of something or say, if you don't get your performance right tomorrow, you're done or something like that. That's not where I start. I want to say, help me understand. Like, this is my perception. This is what I see from my side. I'd like to hear your side of the story and, and just see what's going on. I feel concerned about you and let's talk about it. And so I approach it from a human perspective first because I want to know what's going on. Because a lot of times an A player, I mean, like myself, I'm self-employed. So you know, I might start the morning as an A player and then drift into the B box and by, you know, by quitting time, someone should fire me, but they can't because I'm self-employed. So we drift through, you know, through the various A, B, C, D boxes. But um, I want to start by just having an honest human conversation. I like that. That makes it sound easy. And to take them off the hot seat of it's not, let's talk about, what did you say, subjective versus objective? Yeah, because I think um, a lot of us struggle with these conversations because you really do feel like they're just very subjective. Like, you know, your attitude to me is this or that. Like, wow, how do you measure that? 
So in the book, I start to give uh, real productivity tips and how do you actually define what those uh, right attitudes are. And so, uh, you know, I encourage you to define what your three right attitudes are in your company. Like what kind of work ethic do you need? What kind of attitudes do you need? Um, how do you want people to treat the team? And then as time goes on, I have people um, fill out numbers in, in how they feel that they're doing there. Um, because I, I'm a believer that the performance review is, is dead and that our efforts should really be on coaching people to get better, not telling them how they did yesterday and, and giving them a kick in the past, but say, here's where we are. How do we all have a better future going forward? And let's start coaching around that. What a timely comment. I just left. I'm part of a women's mastermind group. We meet once a month and we had to read the book Strength Finders. I'm sure you've heard of that by Gallup. Yeah, yeah. Read it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I haven't finished it, but we did talk about it and we got our assessments and I am such a big fan of focusing on your strength versus your weaknesses. So in the corporate world, I remember getting those performance reviews. Hey, Nancy, you're great at A, B, and C, but uh, you really need to be more well-rounded with D, E, and F. And what right. are your th- Be the perfect person. <laughs> yeah? What are your thoughts about just focusing on your strengths versus trying to be well-rounded? Well, in the book too, I say, and I really believe that that um, people aren't uh, they don't become a success by building a strong a strong set of weaknesses. You become a, a success by working on your weaknesses for sure, but work in your area of strength. So, so. Um, you know, part of the coach and connect concept where you're having these discussions is, is helping people identify, like, what are you amazing at? What gives you life? What drains your life? How can we start to focus you on areas uh, where, you know, that are life-giving to you and, and where you can really succeed? And in areas that you're not, hey, let's have open conversations about that. And it sometimes does come to where, you know, what this job requires, it's not a fit for you, maybe. Maybe it drains you. Um, let's talk about how you can get to a place What's a happy place for you? And sometimes that means it's not in this company, but it's because I care about you, not because I'm trying to hammer you. I like that. That is good. Yeah, the more you focus on what you do well, that's just how you get better. You mentioned there's one question we as business owners can ask to determine if we have the right person on the team. What is that one magic question? So this one is kind of magic, Nancy. And the question is, uh, look at any person who's on your team and say, if I could do it all over again, I'm going to back out all the stuff of like they're a single mom or we're, you know, I know you socially or you've been here forever. Or how would I replace you or some of those things you mentioned? How would the team pick up the slack? If I could do it all over again, would I do it enthusiastically? Because if you would, you know, you've got an amazing person there. And if you, if, if at bottom you say, if I could do it all over again, no, I would not. Then you've got something that you do need to deal with. And I think that being the leader means that that's one of your prime jobs actually is attracting great people and dealing with challenging situations. And I know that's hard, but man, it is so critically, critically important to your organization. And if you're committed to starting learning to to learn skills around that, to get better at that, you're going to see an immediate jump in productivity. And, and, and in the book um, to start off the book, I've got about 10 endorsements from businesses who've gone through this process where they really have gone from good to great. And it's always the same thing. You've got to start first with people. It's not that that's the only thing. You've got processes and you've got finances and all these sales and marketing and everything. But if you don't have the right people, none of that's going to work. The, the wrong people you know, blow the cash. The wrong people don't carry out a strategy properly. And so you've got to start with those right people. 
and it means defining to them, hey, what does make a right person around here? Let's all agree on that. And then let's hold each other accountable. So it's a very human process. So I'm not sure how your economy is up in Vancouver, but in Denver, we're, we're reaching almost negative unemployment. It's really, really hard to find people. Yeah. Any tips on that when it's just everybody's competing for the same pool of people? Yeah, you know, Nancy, we're the same in Vancouver. Um, there's nobody that I work with that is in, in uh, a tremendous uh, fight for talent. And uh, my tip on that is that you don't recruit great people. You attract great people. And great people are attracted to working with other great people and to working in great cultures. And they're attracted to vision. So if you get serious about saying, I want to build a great culture here, and uh, I want us to be the best place to work you know, in our industry in this town, you're going to attract all the best people because you get some of the best people, they tell their friends. Uh, you know, I was reading a, a study just a couple of weeks ago that came out in Forbes, and it said that it's really kind of hilarious and sad too, but it said that 65% of people polled would rather see their boss fired than get a raise. So what I that believe that. Is, uh, <laughs> I believe yeah, that yeah. totally. A boss makes yeah. or breaks, makes or breaks whether you like the company. And that's, I think, where a lot of anxiety comes is when people have a new boss because their old boss got promoted or switched departments and that's when you lose more people, when you start to move the boss. But yeah, tell us, tell us the rest about that survey, because that's really interesting. Yeah, I, th I thought it was fascinating. What that says to me is that if you've got something good going on in your culture, there's a ton of people out there that are very unhappy where they are, even with zero unemployment. And you'll start to attract uh, those people if your culture is amazing and you've got right people in right seats, because life's too short to work with uh, bosses that you don't like or don't respect. And so it's a real advantage for those who say, we're going to get serious about building a good culture. So to me, that's my biggest productivity tip for, um, uh, you know, for wanting to attract people in a, in a tough labor environment is make your place the best place to work out there and you will start to attract them. You, you become magnetic. And that's really what the book is focused on. How do you be, become that culture so that it gets easier and easier to get those people. I like that. Well, since we're talking productivity, I like how you say handling people issues takes up a lot of time. It totally takes time to manage other people. How can we streamline that? For example, people are like, I know we need to hire somebody, but it's going to take time to find them. And then I have to train them and then they can't do it as good as I can. Any tips around yeah. that topic? Well, my tip there would be that, yeah, it does take time. It's like a family. Okay, so I've got four kids, and um, my kids are a little bit on the older side, so they're, you know, past teenage years. My youngest is 14. And what we found in our home is that when you're setting the standards, it, it takes a lot of effort at first because, you know, the kids have to learn what's acceptable around here, what's not acceptable. We've got to train them in certain things. But once that tone is set, it actually takes very little like once our kids got to be six years old or, you know, even before five years old, it really didn't take a lot of discipline because the rules are established. Everyone kind of knows what they, where they fit, what's required of them. So I think um, as a leader, if you start to establish and set the right tone, your job actually becomes a whole lot easier because you don't have to be coming down on every single issue. And one thing I, I recommend in, in the book is to come up with kind of your three core values or right attitudes that define how do we all work around here? We all show up with a good attitude. We all show up caring for each other. We all do our best work or whatever it is. And then we just, you just start to 
uh, talk about those, call out people who are doing well in them, occasionally discipline people who aren't. But once that tone is set, you don't have to do all that management because it's the right tone. So to me, that's one of your, your big jobs. And how do you set the tone when, I, I laugh when my mom says, you know, if you haven't, if your kids ha- aren't listening to you at two years old, they're not going to listen to you at eight years old. So how do you, <laughs> I don't have kids, but she was really adamant about that. So once you're yeah. an existing business owner, you have an existing team, it's really hard to come back and say, hey guys, now I'm, now I'm going to set the rules. Like, what if you miss the window from the ground up? How do you go back and fix the culture? You know, it's totally fixable. And my first thought would be, don't do it alone. So, you know, um, start to do it as a team. So if you're in a smaller business or if you're in a larger business with an executive team, gather some people around you and start to go through the process of saying, okay, guys, let's get serious and let's find out what attitudes make for a great person here. And let's define them together. So we're holding each other accountable. It's not just the boss saying, you have to listen to me. It's as a team, we're making these because we all want to have a great work environment. And I describe the process step by step about how to do that in the book so that so that you can have, you know, it's not just about you. It's about we're working as a team to make this happen. Anybody can start wherever you're at. It's okay. You know, I, I believe that, that um, as business owners, we feel like I have to be the genius at everything. But the truth is we're all amateurs at a lot of things. That's okay. I don't know everything. And that's okay. Um, they don't know everything and you don't know everything and that's okay too. Let's learn together and let's just get better than what we have been. Start where you are. That's totally doable. So before I ask you about your book and the, your amazing endorsement, I was really intrigued that you have over 3,000 books. Where do you store those in your house? And how do you find that book if you ever want to go back and read it? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. Well, I'm married to an English major. Um, who's a massive reader as well. My wife and I, I read to my wife every night, actually. It's sort of a, a nice little time that we have at night. Um, we've got walls of books in our house. And, you know, I was, I don't know, I was kind of born with a bit of a memory. So I, I kind of know where they are. And they're like my friends. And I don't struggle with it. But um, <laughs> but I, I do think that, you know, you're going to be the same person that you are today in five years, apart from the books you read or listen to and the information that goes in your head. So you've got to be putting stuff in your head if you want to be able to grow and change. So I'm a big advocate of reading and, and learning. That's awesome. So no miniature Dewey Decimal System? No, I don't have anything like that. I just have a big <laughs> mass of colors on my walls. <laughs> I actually stopped buying books, and instead I go to the library. It's really cool in Denver. You just go online, you pick the book you want, you tell them which location you want it to be at, and you go in and pick it up. So I can get it in and out in three minutes, and I always coordinate it from where, what side of town I'm going to be on. But yeah, I just for decided, sure. I just didn't have the storage space for all these books, but I didn't want to give up reading. Yeah, but I mean, Kindles and all that, it makes it so easy today. I'm kind That's of old true. school. I, 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 like, uh, I like having a hard copy book, but the main thing is that you're, you know, and there's a lot of people too. If you're a business owner, it's very likely that you're not a reader. And, and that's fine too, because there's so many ways to get, uh, you know, information. There's all sorts of websites that you can go on that, that summarize books. Uh, you can get them in audio format, or you can go to conferences or meet with peers like the group that you mentioned. But, but a lot of people stop growing because, uh, number one, they don't want to deal with more people issues. And number two, they don't really know what to do next, you know, and how to break through the barriers are in. And you only get that by getting information from the outside. 
Right. I totally agree with that. And I'm old fashioned too. I like to turn the pages or listen in my car. I still have a CD player. Yeah. My car yeah. is a, a dinosaur, but it runs. <laughs> so it's super <laughs> cool. Hey, so tell us about your book and how did you even get Marshall to endorse that? You know, I just asked him, I've met him a few times and, and, um, he's, he's, uh, he's just turned 70 and he studied with Peter Drucker uh, he's a uh, coach to the chairman of the World Bank, to the chairman of Ford, to the chief of staff of the U.S. Army, these type of people. So he's, um, he's considered one of the top leadership thinkers in the world. But he's really interested, actually, in giving back. And so um, I work with a lot of younger leaders, millennials and stuff like that. And so I think for him, the idea that he can, you know, pass information on to a new generation is interesting to him. But he was really helpful, and, and I recommend a lot of his stuff, too. He's a great writer and is a prolific writer as well. He's written some great stuff. Triggers cool. is just a number one New York Times bestseller, a great one. That's really cool. So I'm also an author. What was the favorite part of writing your book? Is there one chapter or idea that you're like, I can't wait to get this out to the world? <laughs> you know, the favorite part of writing my book, Nancy, um, was I have a little writing pod outside and our house is by a forest and going out there in the summer and just being alone and putting on some headphones and listening to jazz and writing was a highlight for me. I really like that part. Um, as far as content goes, I actually didn't intend to write a book. I just came home one day and said to my wife, you know, I have all these meetings and I'm constantly saying the same things. I need to write a white paper for people to save me and them time. So I started writing and it got longer and then I found a publisher and now I have a book. <laughs> <laughs> I liked writing my book. I did not like editing it. I felt like I had to keep, I must have read that thing seven times. Like they'd make the changes and I'd go cover to cover to make sure it got done. I was like, I'm not, I took a break from my book for about, I don't know, six months. I'm like, I'm not even going to edit this, but finally it's done. So that's pretty, well, one of them's done. So that's super cool. Good yeah, for you. It's, it's exhausting. I, I was encouraged. I read a thing by Clint Eastwood, and he, he said he feels the same in his movies, that at the end of them, he thinks, like, who would ever want to watch this? But you got to go with your gut and throw it out to the world and, and, and see what happens. And my results have been really good. So, Well, if it's good enough good. for Clint, it's good enough for us. I didn't know he felt that same way about his movies. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. That's cool. So give us the name of the book and where people can find it if they'd like to learn a little bit more. Right on. Um, okay, so the book is called The Power of People Skills, and uh, it's on, available on Amazon. So if you just go in there and punch in The Power of People Skills, it pops up. Um, uh, you can also look on my website. So I'm at trevorthronus.com. So that's Trevor, T-R-E-V-O-R. Thronus is just thrown with two S's on the end, T-H-R-O-N-E-S-S, trevorthronus.com. I'm also on Twitter at trevorthronus. Uh, love to link in with you and have a conversation and uh, we can talk about it more there too. That would be great. And for people who want to work with you more closely beyond the book, how can they connect with you and what are some of the services that you offer? Well, as I mentioned, I work with fast growing companies and I'm specializing more and more in multi-site places where there's a group of owners. So franchise groups or, or corporately owned groups, uh, because I, as I'm getting older in my life, I really want to impact younger leaders and I want to do it in a way that I have the most reach possible. So, so that's uh, who I specialize uh, in. And I think it always starts with a conversation and uh, just, you know, I would say just uh, drop me a, a note on LinkedIn or on Twitter or uh, 
you know, I'm, you can re- contact me on my website as well and, and just have a conversation about, hey, what, what might be some next steps for you? Perfect. Trevor, is there anything else you want to add that I didn't think to ask you or another piece of advice I didn't tee up for you? No, Nancy, I think the only thing I would just add is that, is that you know, in my view, people are, you know, we, we always say that, uh, you know, people are the most important resource and all that. But it, it is becoming more and more true as demographics turn against us, uh, you know, where, where we just don't have the numbers that we once did and where the skill sets aren't always there and when we're in a fight for talent. And I think um, uh, we're going to be there for a while because, I mean, your economy is, is roaring hot and is going to continue, I think. And I would just say, man, um, getting good at attracting and retaining A players is the most important business skill that you can cultivate and learn. So I'd say put the effort in. If you're an amateur, it's okay. Just start working where you're at and get better at it. And and that's that, that's the thing you need to focus on. That's a great way to end this up with some real, real inspiration. Trevor, thanks so much for taking time to be on the show. Lots of great information. Listeners, I just added some rapid results days on my calendar for Q2. This is where you and I accelerate your business in just one day instead of coaching week by week, which can take many months. Go to nancygaines.com slash rapid results. And if you love this show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. It helps other people find us. And until next time, go out and gain the advantage. You've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show, where you can gain the advantage. To schedule a VIP strategy day or speed consulting session with Nancy, connect with her on her website, nancygaines.com. That's Nancy, G-A-I-N-E-S, dot com. On Twitter, Nancy L. Gaines. And on LinkedIn, Nancy Gaines. Be sure to check back on Nancy's website for new episodes. Until next time, you've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. Go out and gain the advantage.